Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Dopamine Addicts. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Tuesday, September 20th in the year 2022. Tonight we're going to dig into a very important topic which is emanating out of poor parenting, to be very blunt. And it's the addiction and allowed addiction of youth and video games, which is creating a massive long-term problem in our nation. Before we begin, we are in a very tumultuous time. And with that, we have to be very aware of the risks financially to the wealth that we've created and the financial resources that we've stashed away. For that reason, we have Birch Gold to help navigate these difficult times. The last time we went through a recession, there were stocks that literally went to zero. Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, Chrysler, multiple blue chip stocks went to little or no value almost overnight. Could that happen again? And if it did, are your savings protected? Why not own something that has never been valued at zero? Gold. Historically, your best hedge against inflation, which is racing out of control as we speak. The savviest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from the downturns in the market, from global instability, and from a falling dollar. Do you? Birch Gold Group helps you hold gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. In fact, if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and you can convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Hedge against inflation. Protect your hard-earned money. Get your free info kit by texting BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 today. And that's text text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you that info packet immediately, and you won't be disappointed. All right, Patriots, we have a real issue here, and it's these are thousands and millions, in fact, of youth that are just completely addicted to video games. Now, parents have found it to be very convenient because it's a great way to pacify the child, entertain them, keep them occupied when parents don't want to give the time or don't have the time. The problem is there is a distinct downside and mental uh, effect that these video games have on children that reduce and limit their growth. And it creates also long-term health problems. The central point to, to video games is to understand that the video game designers don't sit idly by and just come up with cool games. These people work hand in hand with other advanced game designers, like those that build slot machines to understand how to build constant engagement and what they would call dwell time. The idea is that once a person gets into a video game, you want them to stay there and remain in that video game. Now, video games began 
early on, like in my time, the first video game that I remember was Pong. And the rest of the video games they had at the at the uh, video game, the gaming salons that you had where you put in a quarter or a dime or whatever and you'd play Space Invaders or whatever else that was. Um, those were a type of video game. But today these things have become barely sophisticated. Video games now, they have online gaming. They have teamings across the, across the nation where there's actual teams and kids are talking on headsets. They're interacting with one another. You have games that people aren't actually buying a game, but they're buying subscriptions. So every time, like Call of Duty, every time a new Call of Duty comes out, they automatically get the subscription and then they can pay for additional features, additional packets to on top of that. It's a big money business. And there is a tremendous amount of design put in there to ensure that the games bring people in and hold people in. Of course, we have the issues around games of not only the topics, but increasingly as we see these games being developed, we see increased sexualization, we see increased violence, and all of this has effects on the youth of numbing them down or desensitizing them to those effects. All of this in the end has a spiritual and a physical detriment to the child. So let's begin with a piece that was done by Wall Street Journal. I've edited it down, but I just uh, to kind of set the context for what we're talking about with kids and families. Perhaps you've seen videos like this appear in your social media feeds lately. Stop! The concept is pretty simple. Parents prank their kids by unplugging the child's video game console in the middle of gameplay, and the reactions are viral gold. No one likes to be forced to stop having fun, but something different is happening here. If you were to take away a child's books or Legos, you're not likely to get a reaction like this. So what's going on here? Why are these meltdowns so dramatic? I've treated a number of children over years who struggle with problematic video game uh, behaviors. I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that the child will be able to tell you, I'm trying to not do this, but I can't stop. And I can't get myself to stop. I don't want to behave this way, but I'm struggling. Why did you do that? That was my game to get into the Overwatch League. According to Dr. Milham, these reactions aren't necessarily because of an addiction to gaming. Instead, what we witness in these videos are children who are victims of their own biology. Being able to tolerate the feeling of frustration or that moment of sadness when you decide I'm not going to continue doing this, that is, is crucial. One of the reasons the children in these videos find it so hard to control themselves is because they don't yet have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is a key component in the brain that's involved in helping us to control impulses and urges. When you have something like the video game being turned off suddenly, the child is faced with having to feel those negative emotions. Another factor is dopamine, which is often referred to as the brain's pleasure chemical because it's associated with feelings of euphoria, motivation, and concentration. Dopamine is a key component of regulating reward mechanisms in the brain. The stimulation we receive from playing a video game impacts the same pathways that are present when one is becoming intoxicated with a substance. So it's no surprise that many of the behaviors and reactions uh, that we see for a child who's struggling with having this sudden stop 
brought about in their video game playing has analogs to someone who is being asked to stop usage of a substance. Let's say a child is about to eat a piece of candy. The anticipation of eating that candy gives the child a spike of dopamine. Then their parent yanks that candy away from them. That action will cause a drop in dopamine, which will upset the child. Video game designers have gotten remarkably adept at keeping gamers entranced with a steady source of intermittent rewards. More rewards means a constant stream of dopamine released into the brain throughout gameplay. So when a parent pulls the plug on a child's video game, there's an even more powerful effect. Video games are inherently designed to be stimulating and exciting and to draw us in. For many households across the country, meltdowns over video games are a very real part of everyday life. Parents we have spoken with say they find themselves in a battle of wills with their children when they tell them to turn off a video game and do homework, eat dinner, or go to bed. And that testimony is one you're going to find in almost every household of parents with children in video games. Video games are not simply a, a, something you take away from a child. It has created a physical addiction, a biological addiction, and some would even argue a spiritual addiction because we're dealing with some very dark elements that are coming through these portals, if you will, of the, of the video games. The problem is parents have just once again just blindly turned their back on, on the realities around these technologies, and they just see technologies as like a cheap, affordable babysitter. Buy an iPad for two or $300, and suddenly you have the best babysitter on the market that you don't have to pay the Red Cross fee for. That's insanity. But it's the same effect of the blindness that we see with parents trying to push children to get injections or, or parents trying to ex allow their children to choose their gender. All of this is leading to a massive amount of damage across an entire range of youth that we're at one point or another we're going to have to face in this society. Now, China actually did a research on, these, on video gaming, and they, they used a magnetic resonance on brain scans to take a look at what the effect was on the brain development. And it is pretty much what you expected, that there's key aspects of brain development that are fully retarded or uh, limited in growth. They have been repressed would be a better term. That by the time these kids get to be 18 years old, these elements in their brain have not fully matured. The worst part is that many of the elements in the brain that are the dopamine and the, the effect of the, of the interaction with the video game is, are hitting are elements in the brain that take up to years 25 to fully mature in the head. Now, the dopamine addiction is highly destructive because it creates a euphoric effect. And I've talked about dopamine a lot. And the other part about this is there's the other aspect of adrenaline. And I've discussed this before in terms of how they manage people in media, but this is extremely focused for kids in the video game aspect. So what ends up happening is that the video game is the pleasure centers of the video game. As kids play, they get rewards. They create a pleasure center. And especially when a child is dealing with stresses from school, stresses with identities, which every child does, stresses with growing up, body changes, maturing hormones, all of these things, not to mention potential problems at home, whether it's financial or whether it's marital or whatever else. Video games become an escape. And as parents encourage it, children race to that. And the more that they engage in it, 
and then the video games are designed to keep them there, to keep the dwell time high with all these little magic rewards that account for nothing, then what's happening is that they're constantly getting these dopamine hits and it's creating a euphora or euphoric effect within the brain. So kids are feeling good. So a parent comes in and says, let me take that away. And the first reaction just on that level is it is an immediate loss of that euphoric feeling. And so there's a reaction to that because the body doesn't want to lose that great feeling. When we add other elements to this, such as the intensity of a game where there's going to be combat and there's going to be violence or there's horrible dark creatures coming out of everywhere. There's fear and there's anxiety, which drives adrenaline. So now you get adrenaline and you get dopamine going together. And what do those two things do? Well, adrenaline creates an intensity of focus and energy. And dopamine creates, always does the same thing. It creates euphoria, but it narrows the focus so there's no long-term thinking, no consequential thinking. So here's an example of that. A mother, and I believe she was in Philadelphia, hardworking black mother, took the video game away from her son. She's just a normal working class mom working hard to get her son through as a single parent. In fact, it's worse than that because it's the grandmother taking care of the child. This is what she returned home to. She took the video game away from the child. His response was every single thing in the household was broken. The violence was off the chart. This is because there's an addiction that's been broken And with that as well, there's an adrenaline that's peaked in. And this is the consequence. And the problem we're having now, the parents are now having to confront, is the fact that they've created an addiction in their own children. So rather than confront it and deal with it, parents are like, I can't handle it. Just let him have the damn game or her. And the cycle doesn't get any better. Take a listen to this testimony from a young man who is an open admitted addict. All right, so I never thought that I'd be making this video, but here I am, and I am addicted to video games. This may sound silly to many people because video games are just that fun thing that you play with friends or when you're bored, but for a lot of people, they can be a huge negative thing in their life. And honestly, me being addicted to video games just makes sense. If you look at my history, I literally don't remember a time where I didn't have a video game to play. For as long as I could remember, I literally could play a video game. And I would. I I literally had a boredom-free life, where if I ever felt bored, I could play a video game on, whether it be the Game Boy Advance that was still black and white, the new Game Boy Color, all the way up till now with my gaming PC, Xbox, PlayStation. I don't have all those, but those are just things that exist nowadays that everybody is using. And I believe that the future generations are going to have an even tougher time with this because they have more immersive games and the, the, they really have the signs down on how to make the video games more addicting now. And he's dead on. They're only improving these. Every time that they get one cycle of games through, what they look at are all of the data that they're collecting. Remember, these video games collect enormous amounts of data. Not only did they collect user strokes and the information of where people are playing and focusing, but they're also looking at the key things like dwell time, what parts of the game are most exciting to them, what parts of the game are most dramatic, what types, what parts of the game they keep coming back to, or they have to work hard to get through. And then all of this stuff is added on as well into the AI engines that are part of these games as well. 
And these AI engines are scraping massive amounts of data. These games are a tool right out of Lucifer's playbook. And I don't really understand why it has become so convenient for parents to just pass it on. I know it's easy, and that's probably the trick again. And it's always the same thing. Convenience and ease lead to the destruction of humanity. In this case, convenience and ease lead to the destruction of children. And so when we talk about children's addiction or youth addiction to video gaming, this isn't in a, in a bubble or in a vacuum. It's happening because parents are allowing it. And whether it's a single parent or, or a couple is irrelevant. Parents are allowing the video games to, to, to happen. And they're unable to provide an alternative for their children. And they're unable to say no to their kids. This is where we've arrived. So Johnny comes home from school. I want to have Warcraft. Mom says no. Pretty soon he throws a fit or he goes to his friends. Mom says, okay, fine, I'll get you Warcraft. Okay, now I want Call of Duty. And it just keeps going. There's no sense of putting a hard line with children to explain to them where they are and what's happening. And there's not enough knowledge or willful exploration of this by parents to now be able to talk to kids about the problem of addiction until a child ultimately has to discover it for themselves. The video games today are so much better than the ones that I grew up with. So people are just going to be getting worse. And the problem of video game addiction is just going to get worse over time if it isn't addressed soon. And I feel like the same thing's true with cigarettes and things like that, where in the beginning they aren't seen as bad until the side effects start popping up years later. Is video games as bad as smoking cigarettes? Probably not because it doesn't actually kill you, but it does take away your time in a similar way. Smoking will end your life at a certain point and you lose the time after that. Video games take away your time everywhere in between. It's a different kind of death. You die from the inside out, I guess, where you're just losing time uncontrollably and it just doesn't feel good. Throughout my college degree, I played way more video games than I would like. I still got good grades. I just did the bare minimum and I didn't get the things that I personally wanted to get done done because my goals were always procrastinatable, if that's a word. Basically, like, some, if I wanted to do something personally, there was no deadline for it like there are with grades or tests or homework assignments. Those kind of things are easier to do because you could say, all right, I can't play video games right now. I have to get this done tonight. So that's one way to help fight against video games is having a job or deadlines. But still, you'll procrastinate video with video games a lot until the very last minute. So I was able to graduate with like a 3.7 GPA. I don't even really care about the GPA at this point, but it just shows that I was able to get the bare minimum done to get a very good grade. And that, But that leaves the rest of my time to play video games taking away from my personal life. It's not taking away from my school life. Something's gotta break. You only have so much time in the day. And if, I'm, if I was doing good at school, I wasn't doing good on things that I actually wanted to get done. What a stunning quote and admission. You die from the inside out. I don't even think he realizes the magnitude of that statement when we start to look at the dark arts that are behind all of this. We are raising children without a center of faith. We're not encouraging reading. We're not encouraging athletics. And yet we are encouraging all of the tools of Satan and Lucifer himself, to be quite frank, that are godless, soulless, and create an emptiness in people it slowly erodes them away from the inside out. It's sad. And why is that happening? 
because those who have the control to protect the child the most are failing. That's parents. I'm not going to blame kids here. Kids are going to do what they're allowed to do, and they're going to do what they in, are drawn to do. And they're young, and they're, they're cognitively, they're developing. And parents, I don't know what your problem is. I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, but there's a harshness here that has to be faced because a child is not going to play a game unless the parent allows it. And there has to be some mature discussions with the children to get them to understand what is going on. And there has to be some real issues of talking about what is best for them, whether they like it or not. Equally, there has to be some discussions of alternatives of things that will engage them because young children have engaged minds, they, especially in this day and age. So science, technology, math, when we start to get into those areas, instead of pushing those sorts of STEM programs into our homes, we're not seeing that. And there's plenty of STEM programs online, by the way, if you're curious about that. Science, technology, math, and engineering. Those programs are readily available online, but parents don't choose that. They choose the, the thing that's going to entertain them. Entertainment has zero cognitive value. In fact, what we're going to see and what we do see and what China's studies are showing is it's not just a, a repressing a repression of, a, of the development of the brain. It is a reduction of the IQ levels of the children over time, and they don't recover. At a critical point in, the, in their youthful development when their minds need to be expanding, they need to be using their hands, they need to be developing cognitive skills, they need to be connecting the motor skills with the mental skills. Instead of doing that, the extent of their motor skills are pushing buttons on an on a iPad or finger touches or whatever they're doing and sitting on their butt in a, in a chair somewhere. Instead of being active outside, building things, constructing things, exploring, using tools, using their, their creative energies, those things expand the IQ that a person has. Other things like these, they retard it. The problem is the kids, once they get there, don't have any way of stopping, and there's not enough parental support or even knowledge, for that matter, on the larger scale of how to stop it. There have been many times throughout my life where I tried to stop playing video games, and even the slightest mishap would slip you right back into it. So I know that this is a fine line that I'm dealing with. There was one time where I thought I beat video game addiction in the past, but I really didn't because... I didn't fix the underlying problem. And that was when I went on a road trip with my girlfriend. And when you hear road trip, I need you to understand that this was a road trip. We went to all 48 states and it took three months. So during that time, I didn't have any urges to play video games because they weren't there. I didn't even have the option to play them. So the urges were just non-existent. And this made me realize a little bit that the addiction is actually environment-based. So if I adapted my envi environment, like I sold my, my gaming PC and anything that I could play video games with, it would probably have a good impact on my urges, but I haven't brought myself to that level yet, although I'm getting close. When I got back from that trip, I didn't really have the same urges that I had when I left to play video games. I didn't play video games for a month or two after that road trip, so we got back. Things were pretty good for a few months, and I thought I beat it, but then I thought I got cocky and thought, all right, I'm done being addicted to video games. Maybe I'll just play some Overwatch with my friends and I'll just stop after that. And that's where I was wrong. I didn't choose to overcome the addiction that time. It just happened. I was still addicted to the dopamine hit that comes from playing video games. And I didn't know 
how to stop it at that point. He knows that the problem is the dopamine hit, and he says that he is looking at it, and he continues on and basically admits that he thinks that he has the problem by just staying active in other things. But what he's missing here is that that dopamine hit is in a true addiction. Dopamine is one of the most addictive substances known to man, and it's in our neurochemical set. The problem is that any time he goes near a video game, he is going to have that problem. Until And there's really no choice in that. His centerpiece, and most of this always will resolve around a strong relationship in faith and through Christ to help make that healing possible. But that's taking an entirely different route than he's been taught or has been exposed to. This is, again, where the power of strong parenting comes in. There has to be an understanding that we have to intervene to protect the children. Dopamine is a deadly substance, and it takes on many different forms when it comes to our youth. This is a piece here by Healthy Gamer that I want you to hear. It's about six minutes, and it goes through pretty extensively the effects of dopamine and the levels of dopamine and how it's affected in the gamers. Over the past few years, I've had the chance to work with dozens of gamers. And the more I work with gamers, the more I started to wonder, like, what's actually going on in these people's brains? In my day job, I'm an addiction psychiatrist. So I tend to work with people who have problems with alcohol or opiates or marijuana. And one of the things that I have always found really helpful is to understand how do these substances actually affect the chemistry in someone's brain? And so the more I work with gamers, the more I realize that gaming certainly has effects in people's brains, but those effects tend to be a little bit more subtle than what happens with biological addictions like alcohol. Alcohol, for example, directly stimulates certain receptors in your brain that give you feelings of euphoria and disinhibition and kind of slow you down a little bit, whereas gaming affects your brain in, in slower ways. It's not like we're, it's not an actual chemical or physical substance that's entering your bloodstream and directly activating parts of your brain. The way that games affect your brain tend to be in smaller ways and they tend to affect different parts of your brain at the same time. So the first kind of circuitry that I wanted to talk about today is your reward circuitry or your dopamine circuitry. And dopamine is the primary neurotransmitter that regulates pleasure in the brain. So in, there's this part of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. And when dopamine activity happens there, it's one of the ways in which we feel pleasure. It's like the pleasure center of our brain. If we look at a lot of drugs of abuse like cocaine and amphetamines and things like that, those stimulant, medication, uh, those stimulant drugs tend to directly increase dopamine in our brain, which makes us feel good and euphoric. Video games usually start out that way. So if you stop and think about why is a video game fun? Like what makes it fun? It's because there's something going on with, your, with the way that you're interacting with the game and there's some degree of engagement that causes this dopamine release to happen in your brain. And so that's what makes a game fun. The interesting thing is the more I work with gamers, and, and you guys may feel like this, is, this happened to you too, there are three discrete phases that a gamer goes through when they play a game. The first phase tends to be when the game is actively fun. Like the more you play, you're actually enjoying yourself. It's a lot of fun. You want to keep playing it. And then over time, we're talking more like months or years, not days. 
is you continue to game regularly, your brain starts to adapt to that steady degree of dopamine release. And our brain has a very normal mechanism called um, homeostasis, where it tries to maintain kind of a balanced state. So one of the ways that homeostasis manifests is a biological principle we call tolerance. So if you think about someone who drinks for the first time, the alcohol really like, they can get drunk really quick. But if you start to drink on a regular basis, your body develops tolerance to the alcohol. It takes more and more alcohol to make you feel like you're drunk because what's happening is your body is starting to make itself less sensitive to the effects of alcohol. And gaming is actually no different. So in the first phase of gaming, our body really hasn't acclimatized to that dopamine release, so it starts to feel really, really fun. In the second phase, we start to develop tolerance to that constant stream of dopamine, and so what happens is the game starts to be less fun. When you're playing the game, you're not having as much fun as when you used to. In the second phase, it doesn't really give us a high, but it can still remove a low. So some people, when they game, when they, start to first, when they first start gaming, they feel like they're having fun. They feel like it's kind of like a high. And then in the second phase, even though you don't feel the high, if you're feeling bad and you start to game, you can make those negative feelings go away. So if you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling pissed off, then there's a chance that when you play the game, those feelings will kind of go into the background. And we'll talk a little bit more about emotions. Um, so in the first phase, it's kind of giving you a positive emotion. In the second phase, it's getting rid of a negative emotion. If people continue to game, what actually happens is they enter this third phase, which is, which is also true of biological addictions, where it doesn't even take away the negative emotions. And some of you guys feel like you're kind of trapped in your gaming. It's not even fun for you anymore, but you somehow don't know how to stop doing it. You don't even have fun with it, but it's like you can't, you just can't do anything else. And it's not like you actually enjoy your gaming, it's just you can't stop. And if you've reached that point where the game doesn't even, if you play a game for 12 hours a day and you actually stop and think, you're not even having fun during those 12 hours, that's really when you've started to develop a biological addiction. And so what does that actually mean? What's going on in your brain? So it starts off with when you're playing a game, it releases dopamine in this area called the nucleus accumbens. And as the, the brain gets used to that dopamine release, it actually starts to decrease its sensitivity to receive that dopamine signal. So it's kind of like turning the volume down on, you know, a, like a, a radio, where the strength of the signal of the radio is the same, no matter whether the volume is up or the volume is down. But you can change the way that that signal is manifested by adjusting the volume. So it's like your brain is actually turning down the volume on your dopamine circuitry because it's getting so much dopamine all the time. Over time, this leads to this state called dopamine exhaustion, where your body is so chronically used to having that high level of dopamine from the game that the volume is turned way down. And that causes huge problems for gamers because other things that you would normally find fun start to become less fun because your dopamine uh, tolerance is so high and you've hit this point of dopamine exhaustion. That last piece is huge because what that means is that over a period of time, something that started by parents simply because it's easy to manage children now depletes the satisfaction of anything that they do to seek satisfaction. So the pleasure centers that are 
part of our existence as humankind get burned out. The ability to have dopamine be part of that euphoria that we find, whether it's sports, say you get the runner's high, if you've had that before, it's awesome. You're sitting there running, your body's exhausted. You're running there, say, you know, mile 10, mile 15, you're pushing, and you start to get this high that comes over you that just makes you feel it's just a euphoric. It's dopamine kicking in. These are things that are part of the body system, and they're not intended to be switched on all the time. But this is the war that they're waging against children. So right now, we're looking at children across the board, and you start to see what's happening, and you start to see how destructive this is and why this war becomes so personal in everybody's lives. We have a war on children to, first of all, wear masks, which is to enslave them. We have the war on their minds, which is to use critical race theory. They're using queer theory, and they're they're using the other common core issues, which we're going to talk more about tomorrow about how to break them down and MK ultra their minds. So their minds are already in jello form, basically, as they deal with gaming. And then they have the, the war on the, of the vax to try to introduce the vaccine into their lives, which is wearing their immune systems down. All of this is a war on children. And what it's doing is it's taking away any pleasure, any hope, any childlike innocence in the world And it's channeling it into a game, which is now completely rewiring their brain in terms of their neurochemistry. And so you're hitting them with adrenaline, high adrenaline and high dopamine inputs, which lead to adrenal burnout, which gives them no energy over time. And it leads to dopamine burnout, which gives them no pleasure of anything over time. That is a mindless, miserable slave in the system exactly as they want, because that's a person that's most moldable. And what do they fill it with? Material crap. Buy more, more credit, more anything. And so it's easy to convert this subject into hating the system, hating their parents, hating the world, hating God, all of these things that are right on their agenda. And the video games are a big part of it. And parents, if you're using video games as a babysitter, you're a big part of their plan. So the real onus rests here with parenting. And the lack of responsibility that parents are having in raising their kids and, and looking at this. And these are harsh words, I know, and I'm sure there's going to be parents that will write me some nasty emails, and I don't care. Because the reality is here that the children are at stake, and the games are not intended for their good. They're intended for the control of the child over time. The dopamine effect is already bad enough as a general society. When we talk about adrenaline and dopamine and and the implementation of fear mechanisms, which is how they control the majority of society. But it's now so focused and targeted on children that by the time they get to be an adult, they will never find happiness in anything. That's a true statement. Everything about them. If you're wondering now, if you go and look at kids, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to find mass amount of children out here that are just very mute they don't, they, as they get into their teens, they don't show a lot of expression. There's not a lot of interest. And the sorts of things that they're trying to do are also wild and crazy on the way outside. So whether it's extreme sports, which is one limit, or all these TikTok crazy things, or swallowing Tide Pods, all of this is a byproduct of having worn out their dopamine centers of pleasure to where they're trying to find stimulus in their life. And they can't. And sadly, again, that falls back on the onus of the parents and what's and where we sit. Patriots, we have to get very serious 
to understand the war that's being waged. This war started out two years ago with a targeted hit against the elderly, the wisdom class. And they went out that aggressively to wipe out and kill as many elderly as they could in the first wave. They launched a biological weapon globally, and then they backed it up with the real biological weapon, which was injected internally. And they used fear, and they used anxiety, and they used hate, and they used all these tools that they have to stimulate the dopamine and, and, and the adrenaline responses in people, which was a fight or flight first with adrenaline, and then there's the issue of dopamine, which calms people down. It kind of gives them a, a, a comfort zone, especially when you offer a solution that you, of, of a problem that you create. And then they deliver the, the, the tool, the, the injection to kill the elderly. They followed that up with a full-on war against children. And they're not relenting. And every one of these gaming manufacturers is a contributed player, whether they do so intentionally or by default, they are a part of the problem because their games are designed to suck people in and keep them there and to affect the neurochemistry. That's across every game out there. So it's time that as parents in this nation that people get very serious about what their responsibilities are. We're long lost, long past that point where you can say that, oh, you know, I got my kid an iPad, it's no big deal. No, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal because all these technologies have increased. Now, let me add some other technologies to it so that you understand how extreme this gets. So we've had all the issues of the game, but now we have the issue of frequency. You see, within these games and within the iPads and within the smartphones, there are algorithms that have been developed to change the frequency so that it itself, the frequency, will stimulate key dopamine responses in a child's head. So not only are they already getting a natural hit of dopamine, the, the algorithms are designed in such a way as to create frequencies that will stimulate even more dopamine as a child interacts with the appliance. If you think for a second that DARPA and big tech are your friend, I've got a really cheap bridge for you to buy in the middle of New York. Promise. It's there. This stuff is all coming out of an MK Ultra program. And all of it is intended to completely control the youth and to turn them into the future slaves of the world. We it is our responsibility to stand up for them, to defend this evil to defend them from this evil and to deal with this. But this has also been shown. If you've ever seen the show Black Mirror, it's right here. They did the same thing. It's hard for people to comprehend the magnitude of technologies we're dealing with. Technologies have far outstripped our ability to realize what's actually going on and everything. And the fact is that there's this willful trust of companies like Apple, Google, Twitter, Facebook, because they tell you they're good. They're not good. They're evil right to the very core. And all they care about at the end of the day in the first tier of their concern is selling product and making sure that their product stays in the hands of more people longer than anybody else. And the way you're going to do that is to create the addictive mechanisms within it. So the gaming aspect, which is itself bad, compounds itself with the appliance aspect which has already been engineered specifically 
to create frequencies and addictive capabilities. When that's color flash, the, the, the screen refresh rates, all of these things work together to create a situation where there's a constant deluge of information through the ocular cortex, the optical cortex. And as the optical cortex hits this, you're creating layers of addiction that aren't even covered in some of these testimonials tonight. So yes, you have the neurochemicals, but then you have the other aspects of frequency and what they're doing to the neurochemistry and what they're doing to the brain function. And so much of it is centered around the frontal cortex of the brain, which is where most of the basic processing goes on. One of the byproducts of all of this is high levels of ADD, attention deficit disorder. And it's a byproduct of over of oversaturation in a frontal cortex of the brain. So again, I keep going back to this. It is a responsibility of parents to step in and protect the children. It's not the responsibility of the state. It's not the responsibility of someone else. It's not going to be solved simply by praying and hoping it's going to go away. These are deep level addictions. This stuff is on the level of heroin addiction, if you've ever dealt with that. Heroin addictions are almost impossible to break. And this is what we're dealing here with gaming and, and digital appliance addictions because they're designed to hit the brain at so many different levels and so many different functions of the entire body experience. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight with ourselves before you just praying for our children, the children of this nation and the children of the world that have sadly fallen victim to so much of these technologies that they are themselves becoming addicts to their own neurochemicals. There's nothing worse. And the worst part, Father, is they don't know, they don't know better and they don't, are not getting the guidance from their parents to know better. So we pray tonight for the strength in parenting. Parents that will stand up, parents that will start working with their children, parents that will start seeking the knowledge to break these addictions of these games. It's not going to be easy because these addictions create a violent reaction and, and there's so much more to this, Father, that we know is that as we deal with these addictions and we deal with this dark arts of the sort of things that are coming through these portals, from what we can see and from what we can translate, it is a, at the very least, it's neurochemicals and it's frequencies that are causing unlevel, unprecedented levels of addiction that create violent responses from children to parents. We have lost the family. So, Father, we pray for the restoration of the family, the strength of the family, and those that are fighting for this, we pray for their strength and their clarity on how to solve this. Most of all, Father, we pray for Jesus to get its center point in the home. We need to once again go back, to go forward, to get past the advancement of always trying to push forward on something new technologically and get back to basics. Start reading scripture. Start reading books. Start doing things with our hands. Start building things, planting seeds, doing actual physical work, and breaking this addiction to convenience and ease. Forgive us, Father. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We have to go back to go forward. 
we cannot keep charging forward now like we're doing without seeing some sort of mass casualty event that's going to come out of this. I don't buy any of the parenting models that try to tell me that they can manage digital appliance and digital gaming. It's garbage. It doesn't work. You're not around your child 24-7. Even if you're homeschooling and you give a little, it's this, these machines are designed and these games are designed to draw people in. You've heard the testimonies tonight. And as much as people think that, like this one young man who spoke, he thought he had it conquered, he didn't have it conquered. Because he's not going to fix the dopamine addiction. He can fix it. He can begin fixing it if he was to be led to Christ. And to heal him that way, he would have greater strength. But even then, it's going to take something greater, which is time. And it's developing that strength in spirit and that strength on the rock of faith. But our children don't have any of that, at least not as they should. So our fight has to continue, and it has to be the fight of knowledge and awareness as we push forward here and raising and fighting under the banner of Christ. There's no other way through this. And if we don't do it, no one else will. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you this evening for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait, but this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. 
not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 